Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Wow, how great is His love. How good is our God. You know, praise the Lord. His mercy is more stronger than darkness and new every morn. Our sins are many, but His mercy is more. It's more. Thanks be to our God. Today we praise Him and uh, want to welcome you here to the Vine as well. I'm John Adams, lead pastor at the Vine. And if you're here in person, yay. And if you're online, we want to welcome you as well. And thank you for coming to join us as we come around His Word. And this is Mother's Day. Hey, moms. Yay. Grateful for you mothers and uh, just so glad for you to be here. We want to say happy Mother's Day to you. May you have a great day, whether you're currently a mom or you're expecting or you'll be a future mom, whatever it is. We want to say celebrate you and just thank God so much for you. I love my, my mom so much. She's in heaven with Jesus. She's whole because of God's grace and mercy that is more. And you know what's so beautiful with my relationship with my mom is I had a few years there where I was honestly, there were some things going on with our relationship. She was really a servant, but you know, there was, there were some things in me probably that I had a hard time with her. And there were some times where it was really hard for me to even, well, I was like, mm, I'm not even sure I want to go see her. And, um, and which, and so I was praying the Lord would go and work forgiveness in my heart towards my mom. And, um, it took about really 10 years of praying that and processing that. And, uh, you know, about after 10 years, uh, I woke up one morning and I, before that I had been really angry at my mom. I woke up one morning and then all of a sudden I just felt this incredible love for her. And it was like all the, all the anger, all the, just the struggle internally that I had inside of me was gone. And thanks be to God that he can do that in your life. Because you might be here and you might be saying, I mean, you all look very good on the outside, but on the inside, you might be hurting, you know, it might be a mom, a dad, a sibling, a friend. You might be coming here today and struggling with a relationship, but God can bring that healing and hope that he alone can work. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. So today, receive God's mercy this Mother's Day. And I just want to remind you that we are in a series from the book of Proverbs, and we are looking at continuing. It's called, Is It Wise? Uh, And the Proverbs show us God's wisdom and teach us really how to choose wisely in our lives. Uh, They help us to grow and enjoy and live in in his salvation and how to live that out well. And another way of saying that is they teach us how to flourish in God's grace and and to enjoy him for our entire lifetime. So again, thank you moms to celebrate you. Woo-hoo. Way to go. We love you. 
And we thank God for you because so many times in our lives, your words might have been incredibly life-giving to us. And so, um, you know, um, as, as I was thinking about this week, I came across a story, and it's really kind of an old guy from England, 1820s. That was before I was born. And uh, this guy named Peter Richley, and uh, he was on a ship, and it sank, uh, and he was rescued, and then there was a second ship. It sank, he was rescued. There was a third ship. This is a true story. It sank, he was rescued. There was a fourth ship. It sank, he was rescued. There was a fifth ship. It sank, and you know what? Peter was confident that God didn't want him to die. He was going to, so he sent another ship, a fifth ship to his rescue. And on this ship, it was an ocean liner going from England to Australia, the same route that his, all these five ships had sank. And he was rescued and the doctor on board checked him out and he was doing well. And um, he said to Peter, he said, there had been a woman on board whose son had disappeared some years ago. And, and she was dying, and she knew that uh, everyone else on the, on the ship, except she didn't know him. And so the doctor said, will you kind of act like you're his son and, and come see her and show her love because she's dying? And she would really love that. And Peter agreed. So after, after, after all, he had been saved five times, right? So Peter, Peter went, and he went with the doctor to the cabin where this lady was. And then there on the bed, he saw this really frail woman who was suffering and had this huge fever. And he heard her pray these words, these words that were powerful. She said, please, God, let me see my son before I die. I must see my son. Well, Peter began to sob because there on the bed was the lifeline that had kept him alive by through her words, her prayers. God had done the work, but she, God had used her as an instrument of grace to pray for him. And he realized that on that bed was his real, actual mother, Sarah Richley, who had prayed for a year, her son to see him for 10 years. That's crazy, isn't it? And Peter embraced this, this woman, the sick woman, and said, I'm here, Mom. He said, it's, I'm here, it's me, Peter. And within days, it just so happened, Sarah's fever subsided. She woke up and saw the answer to her prayers. It was Peter, her son. Isn't that cool? You know, God can use prayer and words of moms in very powerful ways. And we're going to be looking at today how in reality for all of our lives, how our words really matter, matter a lot. And today we're going to see that from Proverbs chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, look with me, Proverbs 15, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. And as we come to God's Word, as you open your Bibles or your handhelds, I remind you that this is God's holy Sovereign word. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. 
A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And so today we're going to see from this passage just primarily that words can be life-giving. You know how that goes. You say a word and you, you just slipped out something and you like, you see that person's face turn and you go like, wow, why did I say that? Or, you know, like our little grandson, Remy, can say this word to his granddad or mom, grandma, just even our names and any of his words, they're life-giving. Words can be life-giving. And, and the first thing we'll see from this passage is they also have, because they're life-giving, because they have unique power. Look at verses 1 and verse number 4. Here in verses, these verses, the Bible is just talking about words and the tongue and the power of it. And it mentions words and the power of it 129 times in the Bible. You know, we see this in the book of James, James 3, the little tongue. It's small, but it's mighty in power, right? It can, it can either bless or curse. And we know that for, throughout God's words. Your, your words really have superpowers. They can be used for good or they can be used honestly for evil. And Proverbs 15.1 says that our words have power either to stir up or to shut down anger. Look at verse 1 again. It says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see here, the Solomon who wrote this, the king, the wisest man on the planet except for Jesus himself. He, himself, he wrote the, this, these Proverbs. And he contrasts a soft answer, which has that power to turn away anger, and this harsh answer, which has a power to stir up anger. And the Bible has plenty of stories, incredible stories, about the power of a soft, gentle answer, a soft word, a timely word. One of those stories is in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And beginning in verse number two. And it's a story about David when he and his 600 mighty men were guarding the fields of a guy named Nabal. Nabal was a really rich man. He had lots of fields, lots of flocks. He had plenty of money. And David, without being paid at all, kind of guarded them from the raiding troops. There were a lot of kind of raiding, raiding troops from other nations that would come in and steal rich peoples, especially Jewish rich peoples, kind of families, uh, goods. And David protected them with these mighty men. He didn't ask for a penny, but, but uh, he got to the place where his men were just ravished. They were hungry. And so he went to Nabal and sent him a message and said, Nabal, it's actually his name means fool. Think about that for Proverbs, the fool versus the wise person. Nabal, he says, no way, I am, I'm not going to give you anything, David. You know, this is my money. And, and so he had a really foolish answer because, man, he more than should have just provided a feast for David and his men. And so David, in ancient customs, he was offended. And he said to his mighty men, strap on your swords. We're going to take these guys out. 
And so they got on their horses and headed out to Nabal's home. He was going to kill Nabal and all of his shepherds, all of his family, every male person in his family. He was going to kill them. And somehow, Nabal's wife, who was a godly, wise woman, right? She heard about this. And so she packed up this whole big feast of food and took it out on donkeys and met David and his kind of coming 400 men now were with him with swords. He met him out on the road before he got to Nabal's house, their house. And she pleaded with him. And we find this in 1 Samuel 25, 10 verses, where she shows this amazing respect and seeks the forgiveness of David. She intervenes with these incredibly credible words that, 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 that David actually receives. And he says, if it were not for you and your words, surely today Nabal and every male child and your male person in your household would be dead. And so she rescued. She's this incredible savior rescuer because of her words. And just... just kind of finish the story because it gets really good. It's a little off track for our sermon. But, but Abigail goes back there to Nabal, her husband. He's drunk. Next morning he wakes up. He's coming out of his, he has a hangover. And she tells him this. David came with 400 raiders last night and here's what I did in my words. And you would have been dead with all our sons and all the men, <laughs> these shepherds would have been dead if, if David had not shown us mercy. And he has this probably heart attack. Ten days later, Nabal dies. David hears about this. He kind of comes and scoops up Abigail and he marries her. Now think about this lady. Ladies, if you're married to a fool, it's quite possible you could get a king. <laughs> Wise words make all the difference. So listen, that we might have these wise words and these timely words that God uses for us to say they have a unique power, a soft answer known as a gentle tongue, you see, in this passage, it's like a tree of life. In verse 4, isn't that a great imagery? The, the tongue, the words that we share is like this blossoming, flourishing tree. And we see this in verse 4, this contrast between wise and gentle words that bring life and those that break the spirit. Verse 4 says again, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The word perverseness is, means literally twisted, corrupt, or crooked. And that's pretty harsh, isn't it? You know, I don't want anyone to think that I have perverse words. Do you? But the honest truth is, though we don't do this often intentionally to hurt others, with what we say, we can have perverse words. And we can see this, uh, especially when words flow from a need to be right. Anyone has ever have a need to be right? Or we see this in a moment of anger where we got hurt and we jab back stinging words. Or 
We're trying to be funny or sarcastic or whatever it is. All of these are what, what the Bible would say perverse or corrupt. You see, but words can be, can be life-changing, and we see that they have great, great power to shape our lives and the lives of others, both for good or for evil. And secondly, we see that wise words are from God alone. Genesis 1-1 tells us this, that, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do it? Did he do a lot of work and construction with his hands? How did he create the heavens and the earth? He spoke. When God, he is that great, church. He is that glorious. When he speaks, even creation itself obeys. It comes into existence by the word of God's power. This is crazy, right? How great is our God? We sang it. How great. How great. How great is our God. And later on in the New Testament, John 1.1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here it's describing the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself. He is the very Word. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we're told that wise words come from God. Mark, Mark Pugh, one of our pastors, taught just a couple weeks ago about fearing God and how important that is from Proverbs 1.7 that says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But listen, Nabal's fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mark explained to us what fearing God means. And he says it's not coming into the presence of God and then like we go cower in the corner because we're just scared. No, it's a heart that really hates evil more and more and loves God's presence. It's hating what God hates and loving him and what he loves. Do you have that kind of heart? Or are you kind of driven by the culture? Are things around you impacting your loving things that God actually hates? Hmm. You know what? The Bible says that's honestly... For all of us, that's foolish. It's not going to bring you life. You think it is. It's the majority word in the culture, but it's not going to rescue you. It's not going to help you. It might make you look good in front of a few people, but you see your life will be head down a pathway, really, if honestly, a bad way, a bad path. You see, verse... Number two is this comparison and contrast between the person who is wise and who is a fool. And, and it says this, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out. Literally, that word pour out means like a fountain or this, like this crazy artesian well. It gushes it out. It gushes out folly, the mouths of a fool. You see, but wise words are gained as we love the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? Are you reading the Word? This year we're talking about preparing you all in the Word of God. Do you open it? Is this just a nice book that you think, oh, well, it might feel a little irrelevant. 
But are we opening it and studying it and saying, meditating on it and seeking its wisdom to say, God, we're submitting to your word? You see, the word of God, the Bible, is like this incredible bright light shining in the darkest night. Have you ever been in one of those dark nights where the moon and the stars are not there? They're all sort of overcast. And you go out and it's completely pitch dark, but you just happen to have an LED flashlight. And you turn that puppy on and bam, you you can find your way. You see, the word of God is like that. It will help you. It will instruct you. It will guide you in the paths, the right paths of life. It will teach you how to really live well. You see, the wise person sees this and believes it and receives that. We saw, we saw um, as it says uh, in uh, 623, Tim, Pastor Tim preached a few weeks ago, for the commandment is a lamp and a teaching, a light. It is like this incredible LED light in the darkest of nights to show us the way. So are you submitting your life, your heart, to the word of God? Or are you listening to all other truths? Smart people, listen, they're not God. But maybe we've made them like a God. And we've got to say, I've got to, I want to listen to God and his word. I want to know God, who, this God who could speak and creation itself would obey him and come into existence itself. Wow. That's the person we need to know. That's the person we need to submit to in our hearts. And he will help you to give you these wise words. Verse 3 says this. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. You see, it's not only is... Our wise words given to those who love the Bible. We also see it's those who follow his sovereign guidance. Are you following God? Do you believe he's really watching over you? A foolish person hardens their hearts. Psalm 14.1, it says the fool, literally that word fool in 14.1 means, it's, it's translated, it's actually the word moron. The moron, the nabal, it means literally someone who has lost their mind. The person who has lost their mind says in their heart, there is no God. You know, in college, junior year, Wheaton College, I was a philosophy major. And for, for about a year, I struggled with the existence of God because I thought I was pretty smart at that time. And I thought like, well, you know, people around me are telling me philosophically, how do I know that God really exists? And I kind of started to believe that. Rather than the word of God. But thanks be to God, by his grace, he broke in and I had a senior year. And my mind was changed by God. And my heart was given over to him and I believed in his watch care. Yeah, did I struggle with doubts for that last year? Yes, and some, you may too. And it's okay to bring your doubts to God. It's good to talk about them with others. But that doesn't make God any less God. He is the source of all wisdom. 
Are you looking to this wise, watchful God? He has great care over you in your life. He personally is involved with you, and I know some of you don't feel like that because you've had some hard circumstances in your life and you're feeling like, man, I don't know if I can trust God. He's there. He's near. Even in the midst of your strange, the hardest of heartaches, he cares for you. You see, uh, what I loved about was uh, my wife's dad, I used to call him Papa Devi. He believed in this God's watchful care over his life and his whole family. And he just had this simple faith. He was a brilliant man. But he had this simple faith. And he just believed. And he went through some hard times. But he saw constantly that he believed that God cared for him and his world. And because of that, his mind and heart were changed and his words were so wise and discerning. God granted him wise words because he had a heart given over to the watchful God. Do you have that heart today? Are you willing to submit your life to him? As we saw earlier in in verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You you remember why Jesus went to the cross. You know, we sang it earlier, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins are many. But what? His mercy is more. Do you know that God? Do you know his mercy? Or do you just know about him? He wants you, the everlasting creator God, to know his personal watch care over you. He cares for you. Will you receive and welcome God and his work and his care in your life. You see, we deserved, it's, it's just crazy, you know, we deserved the wrath of God. You know, it wasn't because we, we earned or deserved, we were better than people. You a lot, again, great looking crowd here. It's not because you're good looking or you're smart or you're wise or you're able that God cared for you. It's because of his beautiful sovereign choice and his mercy that he loved you with an everlasting love for some inexplainable reason. God died for you and me. He took our penalty. It makes no sense to say that there was no wrath of God because look, otherwise, why did Jesus have to die? Was he just a good example or a model? No, his life he took Standing in your very place, the penalty you and I deserved, that we might have life and know him eternally. We're not deserving. We never will be. But God, by his grace, gives us his mercy. How good is our God, right, church? And so, remember this, that... uh, 
Jesus, when he died for us, he said these words. Some of his last words were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you know this? That was the soft answer, Proverbs 15.1. That was the soft answer we needed to absolutely calm and pacify the wrath of God on our behalf. He brought the soft answer, the gentle answer that saved us. When he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead and he did ascend to heaven and he will return again. And right now he is praying for you and me. And someday soon we will be face to face with him. Do you know this God who brought a gentle answer, the greatest gentle answer of all times? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know this, Lord? So today, as we come to his table, are you letting Christ's work for you change your heart? So that your words will be different. I think about just applying this this week. What about if I woke up this week and you did too and just your first thing you prayed was, God, let me, everything that I say today be life-giving to others. Change my heart, Lord, so my words will be life-giving. Wouldn't that, pray that, pray that now, pray that today. Let's pray as we come to his table and as we turn to him in just faith, repentance, and obedience, this is a pivotal moment for each one of us to respond to him. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Your mercy is more. Thank you, Lord. God, today, show us. Thank you for Proverbs and just the incredible wisdom it teaches us about our words. And we thank you, Jesus, that you yourself brought the softest and gentlest of answers at the cross. You could have been surly like Nabal towards us. You should have been that way. You shouldn't have given us a meal, but you provided it for us in eternal banquet. We get to have life because of you, Lord, and your grace and mercy and sovereign care. God, we want to humble our hearts before you now. And we just take a moment to do so. Just ask the Lord now to turn your heart, whatever way you have fallen or failed in him, you've sinned. Just confess that to him right now in a moment of repentance. And as you think about yourself, are you bringing gentle words about you? Not just others. Yes, we need that for others. God help us. But so many times, you know, we do something, I do something, 
I slip up, I mess up, and I say, man, what an idiot you are, John. And I'm, I'm like Nabal at that moment. I'm condemning myself with words God would never use towards me. Would you reject that and repent of that right now? Would you ask him to help you to bring to yourself, to your life, the words he gives you, words of life and acceptance? Yeah, repentance, yes. Truth, yes. But always couched, you are his son or daughter. He will never condemn you. Repent of that self-condemnation. And then finally, some of you have been hurt. This is a mom's day, and you've been hurt by a mom, or maybe you're a mom, and you've been hurt by a child. Or you're a, you've been hurt by a dad, or a sibling, or, or even a friend. Will you take that person in your mind right now and do exactly what the Word of God has taught us today? Will you do this? Will you use their name and say, either out loud or in your mind, I forgive blank for the ways they have sinned against me. Take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. Thank you, Lord. So now look up at me, church. If you are a Christ follower, you have confessed your sin. I've got really good news for you. Hold the cups. Look up at me. I want you to hear this. Look into my eyes. This is the word from the Lord. Because of Jesus, you are forgiven. You are healed and whole because of Jesus. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. Will you receive the mercy of God into your heart and your mind that your words would be life-giving? Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.